Hello, and welcome back to Let's Get Weirding. I'm Bo North. And I'm Megan Sunday. And we are reading Frank Herbert's Dune series, chapter by chapter. Today, we are back to talk about Dune Messiah, the third, or yeah, the third and fourth chapters, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of weird, but yeah. Uh, and we're going to get started on that just as soon as we uh, sit around the table for an hour or two. Oh my God. Where's my Samuda? So much sitting around and talking in these two chapters, Megan. I need my Samuda. Yeah. Let me I just mean, it chill. Sounds, sounded pretty tight just on that description we get in the first uh, in chapter three here. Yeah, like just live. Just live in. Yeah, I mean, we're in a position right now, like, I feel like we can identify with some of these characters in Doom Messiah a lot because our world is changing a lot very fast, like maybe more than we want it to. Not all of the changes are good. Mm-hmm. Not all of them we're comfortable with. And, you know, sometimes you just want to check out, listen to some tunes. <laughs> facilitate a conspiracy i don't know listen to someone playing their balisette and yeah just, just wailing on it just hanging out in your samuda trance because you're someone's drugged trafficked wife right uh so we get back to my friend whose name i can't pronounce what did we decide on uh side i think side okay yeah He's gone to see some Fremen. Mm-hmm. And these are not Fremen who are fans of Paul. <laughs> no, it's we do meet up with a, uh, a character from Dune from the first book. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, gosh. Which one is this? This one is... Farouk. Um, Farouk. Farouk, yeah. yeah. And he's in... So, also, Saitail is dressed, dressed, quote-unquote, as Duncan Idaho. Which, yeah, he's wearing a Duncan Idaho face. Which he realizes in retrospect might not have been a great idea since this guy kind of knew Duncan Idaho and is like, <laughs> oh, I don't like this at all. All right. <laughs> so basically, he's gone to visit Farrak in his little suburban cul-de-sac where veterans mm-hmm. live. Yeah. And it's a, sounds like a pretty sweet house uh oh should we should we read the little excerpt oh the yeah the little oh my god it's so long uh it's like three lines uh are you looking at the same thing as me oh no this is for the next one sorry yeah the previous chapter. <laughs> sorry whoops wrong page oh it is long eh. oh and it's so it's so dry but here we go i'll okay. read it okay The advent of the field process shield and the laser gun with their explosive interaction, deadly to attacker and attacked, placed the current determinatives on weapons technology. We need not go into the special role of atomics. The fact that any family in my empire could so deploy its atomics as to destroy the planetary bases of 50 or more other families causes some nervousness, true. But all of us possess precautionary plans for devastating retaliation. Guild and Lanzrad contain the keys which hold this force in check. No, my concern goes to the development of humans as special weapons. Here is a virtually unlimited field which a few powers are developing. From Muad'Dib, lecture to the War College, from the Stilgar Chronicle. 
Okay. Well, I would want to read the Stilgar Chronicle. But not Wadib's lectures. But not Wadib's lectures. Um, I think it's, uh, we should also note that family is with capital F. Yes, these are the big. Yeah. Um, And basically, I guess he's saying, like, I'm not worried about atomics because mutually assured destruction. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm more concerned about what, like, human computers and stuff, like Mentats, I suppose. Human computers. They're no good. Yeah. They are Uh, just no good. I mean, I find it very ironic that Paul, of all people, is talking about humans as special weapons. I mean... That's rich. That's yeah. Rich There's a lot you. of richness coming from Paul in these two chapters. Um, yeah. We're going to get some more of that in the next one. But yeah, Paul's making a lot of choices that are not mm-hmm. acceptable to me yeah. personally. So they go to, so Sightail goes to see uh, Froak and it's this whole, there's a lot of codes. Yeah. Many, many layers of code. Which never sound as uncode-like as people think they do. Like, it's always, yeah. I can't walk up to Bo and be like, Bo, I'm here for the secret meeting. It has to be like, hello. Quite Great a day it is. Having. <laughs> yeah. Quite a day it is today in Boston. And it's like, we are not anywhere. What? <laughs> See, I kind of love that cloak and dagger shit, though. Like, I love it, I... but I don't think it's effective. No, no. I mean, it does always sound like secret code. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that's one thing, like, I will say, like, the the Children of Dune miniseries kind of did kind of neat was showcasing, like, the Bene Gesserit using their hand language, like, their mm-hmm. sign language, which was pretty cool. Yeah. So this is, they so, so Saitel, as we said, has gone to see this old uh, Fremen. Yeah, he's discover- a veteran. That many of the older Fremen, particularly the veterans of the Jihad, are not best pleased with Paul because they think he's forgotten the old ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, They don't like living in houses. Uh, His uh, Faroque son, who is the one, it wasn't a Balasad, I apologize, it was a Rebek, which is kind of like a mandolin with a bow. Mm. Uh, He is blind. His eyes were burned out by a stone burner uh, on one of the battles. He talks about how he probably has grandchildren on this other planet, because I guess his son was, you know, having his time. Sure. But no Fremen woman will marry him. Like, none of the families will allow it because her, because he's blind. And he refuses to get fake eyes because he says, you know, I'm, I'm flesh and I don't want metal. Which I understand, because the metal eyes are creepy as heck. Mm-hmm. Like, don't come at me with your metal eyes, Duncan Idaho. Like... <laughs> You're making everyone uncomfortable. I don't understand how they're able to make a whole body, but still have to do the metal eyes. Like, yeah, I guess eyes are just tough. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And then he starts playing a ballast again, just to annoy me. Um, (laughs) I like that there's tile, there's designs and crystal on the wall. It's a fancy house. Mm -hmm. And, but Farouk is just like, you know, we, we lived in a great setch. We lived out yeah. in the desert. You know, we were we, warriors. And now I'm just living we in worms. this, you know, suburban prison. Yeah. As, With my blind son. Yeah. Who's singing sad songs. There's also a ton of Samuda. 
because mm-hmm. they're also playing like the Samuda music, which I enjoy that you get it internally, but mm-hmm. also I guess, you know, you can just throw it on some blacklight posters, some just the thump and bass. Well, I found it pretty interesting because doesn't he use his playing as like a way to transmit stuff to Saitel? Because I, I think towards the end of this chapter, Saitel says something along the lines of, you know, when the song stopped, he realized he had all the information. Well, he knows that the song that the guy is singing initially, he's not, he's made up new words that are kind mm-hmm. of a message that are basically just the message. It's like, we're sick of this. Mm-hmm. Um, he's talks about, if you know, a little bit about face dancers because he's just like, you're kind of creepy. I don't know if I like you. Uh, we learned that uh, safe dancers are they they call them hermaphrodites because this book is written in whenever it was written the 70s mm-hmm. uh, so yeah um, so I guess they're just what intersex like they're yeah the it's possibility sort of, to be either or I mean I think he's sort of going for a uh, as awful as this is to say about a person, like a kind of Jurassic Park frogs, like if I need mm. to be female, I'm female now. And if I need to be male, I'm male, which I don't think is technically what a hermaphrodite is, but I, I don't mm. know. So, yeah. But he says like, you know, at the moment I'm, I'm a male. So let's just, you can talk to me that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't want any water or any iced fruit, which I was like, mm, that sounds yummy. Iced fruit. I'll take some of that. Because <laughs> some Rita's Italian ice. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Delish. So uh, this face. is also a very famous chapter in that when we first meet Farouk, uh, Saitail notices that he is missing an arm. Mm-hmm. But then later when they sit down, Farouk clasps his hands in his lap, which is just an editorial mistake. But what a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty big mistake. So I have seen people make jokes in the past about like, oh, no, it's fine. He had three arms. (laughs) (laughs) You never know. (laughs) It's Dune. You never know in Dune. There was another (laughs) series that I read that a character loses his arm in one of the books, but then in one of the subsequent books on the front cover, he's clearly drawn of two arms and it bugged me so much. I was like 14 (laughs) and it was like, to whom do I address my letter? It's like at this point on, I I watch uh, Marvel's Agents of Shield and like I enjoy it fine. I actually am not as much into the movies as I am into their little TV shows. But like at this point, I'm like nothing matters anymore. People be losing their arms, they've been killed, and they just <laughs> come back to life, get new arms. No big deal. Everything's the same. And it's like there's no consequences on this show. <laughs> there's very few consequences in dune all things considered sure uh one of the things that uh Farouk complains about is there was a big celebration uh after a victory and that you know he talks about how there are all these trees in the imperial keep that come from all sorts of worlds that obviously like paul therefore mm-hmm. has to expand a lot of water taken care of Mm-hmm. and that they had this big feast and everyone got drunk and ate too much food and that they had to sit apart. Like, basically, there was, like, you know, a big hall and there were tables and they were all sitting apart from each other, which wasn't the way it would have been in the past. And that because this is not the Fremen way, he was also disgusted by the fact that there were wounded veterans there because he, in all of his sense, I think, Frook is also very, like, 
why am I alive? Like, yeah. Uh, and the fact that he's alive and that his son is alive is like kind of a big deal. We find out later, you know, culturally, because that's sort of, that's not from and do. And so the mm-hmm. fact he's, so he's bringing it up partially halfway as, you know, I don't think that he says, you know, I don't think Mwadib knows how many men he has maimed, which right. is, you know, him saying like, Paul, Mwadib isn't one of us anymore. Like he doesn't see how things are affecting us. But he's not he, seeing the little guy. He's, he's not seeing the little guy, but also, like, there were all these like, wounded people walking around, and those they should have, like, walked into the desert or something. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Like, come on, people, what are you doing? And then Saitel's just like, but you guys have, like, f- big spice orgies. He's like, it was different. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't like that. You know? Like, it was sort of like... He, he kind of sounds like he's complaining that there were like dancing girls and old men telling stories and not like a big orgy. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, "Mm, in the old days we we quote unquote mingled our souls. Um, Yeah. This was just, this was just a big feast, like just a big party. So maybe (laughs) he's just mad that no one got naked. Right, I mean, there was, like, a spiritual aspect to it for them. Yeah, exactly. And then he's also offended that, you know, Paul came out to greet them and used the greeting that they would say in the desert. And he's like, and we weren't in the desert. Like, ugh, mm-hmm. but he's saying those words in that horrible place. Yeah. Um, that it was almost like a blasphemy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. One of the big things that does come up in their conversation is that when Farouk talks about what happened to his son, how he was blinded by a stone burner, uh, Saitail is kind of like, well, we didn't know that they had that, that happened on that planet, and why is he talking about that? And that's something that will become important later on mm-hmm. as far as the conspiracy goes. Uh, so there's just a lot of, you know, it's, I like there's this little rundown of all of his, the rumors that he's heard about Paul. Mm-hmm. That he's, like, got all these reception halls. He keeps a, a worm, a stunted worm in a water moat and reads the right. future down there. And, you know, he... I thought those had, were kind of a use once, use once, yeah. single-use worms. <laughs> you can't squeeze it to death. You just gotta, like, <laughs> poke it a little. Boop, boop. Right. Um, there's all kinds of, you know, he's got clerks and attendants and attendants for the attendants. This is, this is an old man grumbling mm-hmm. at this point. And he yeah. says, you know, he only trusts Stilgar uh, and some a few others that were close to him in the past. And he says, Saitel says, well, what, like you? And he's like, he has forgotten I exist. Which and is so, kind of sad because, you know, he's probably right. Is. Yeah. And you find out that they has basically how Paul gets in and out of the palace because he's so very <laughs> extra is that he has a tiny little thopter landing plat pad that mm-hmm. is like a balcony on his inner like from the inner wall like right outside his rooms and only Paul can navigate flying from it and landing on it. Right. Because the Atreides are great flyers. I was like, like, yeah, they're good. But are they like, I mean, this basically being like, well, you know, those Skywalkers, Mm. sure. (laughs) Like, I hate to even use that as a reference, but it is kind of a ridiculous thing to say. Uh, He also complains that he, so like messages like our best friend, Blue-Eyed Spice Bat, Mm. uh, 
they implant that kind of technology into people now. And that's how Paul sends all of his messages. And Sightail okay. just like, everyone does that now. And he's like, well, back in our day, we only use that on animals because it's demeaning to men. Uh, so it's just a li- <laughs> It's just a list of, you know, here are all the things that I don't like about Mwadi. Right. If there was Facebook, he'd be posting on it. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, and he's he's frustrated by, you know, where he lives and how he lives. And, you know, this costs this amount. And I never even would have dreamed of having that. And all the you know, water, says, you know. Yeah, he says, you know, I owned a Chris knife, water rings to 10 liters, my own lance, which had been my father's, a coffee service, a bottle made of red glass older than any memory in my sitch. I have my own share of our spice and no money. I had two wives. One was ugly, but he loved her. And the other one was stupid, mm. but she was hot. <laughs> Great. Right. I was like, mm, yeah, you're, awesome. not, <laughs> you're not really making a case for yourself here, dude. <laughs> So he's just basically like, everything was great. I knew this and that. I knew this and I knew this and I knew this. Uh, we do learn here that apparently they used to sacrifice virgins to Shihalud, which is one word in this book now. Yeah. I just like that. Um, I, don't, <laughs> I just do. And that uh, Liat made them stop that. <laughs> which I right. like him being like, no, 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 guys. No. Yeah. Yeah. Leah, Leah made them stop doing sacrifices, but Farouk is like, eh, maybe we shouldn't have. Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't have listened to Leah at all. Yeah. You know, and he says, like, then Saitel's kind of, you know, goading him on, and he's like, and then the Atreides showed up with his witch mother, back to witch mother. Yay. Oh, yay. Uh, and he says, yeah, we named her, Us- we named him Usul, and then. I didn't know why I should fight for his jihad because I was like, well, I don't, I don't know where I'm fighting. I, I don't know why I'd be fighting there. But other mm-hmm. people went, so I went. Um, and like, you know, he Liette about- said it was him. Like, Liette yeah. blessed him. And he just, you know, he, he pictured that there was going to be this change to Arrakis, that that's what yet promised yeah what he promised paul would do and it hasn't happened you know and he wanted to go travel in the jihad because he wanted to see a sea yeah it's kind of i don't know this is a very melancholy oh memory of that he's having of of seeing the sea or this ocean or whatever and like getting in it and talking about like you know he couldn't drink the water and how like it changed him like when he immersed himself in the water he was no longer a desert dweller he was a sea creature mm-hmm. and he's just like well that's that's nice Sightel's like well great yeah it sounds like it was a really important time for you um awesome Sightel <laughs> doesn't care he he no. knows what he's there for like exactly. he's not he's not really like i'm not gonna say he's like sympathetic to farouk because he's very much like use it he'll use whatever he's got to use yeah and he says you know Froke tells him when one of basically that one of paul's priests was standing there when he came out of the water and that he feels like the sea had healed him of the jihad because mm-hmm. he's just like you know i can't be controlled by the wadib anymore mm-hmm. and he's like and it frightened him because they want us all to obey him and be in his thrall and, you know, he, 
at some point in this, the son has stopped playing his music and that disturbs Saitel because he can't remember when it happened. He can't tell. Uh, yeah. And so it had been, yeah, it had been a message. He doesn't exact know, like, he knows all this various information and he thinks, like, well, this is what we need to do because he says there's, Farouk tells him there's no way to get in. Mm-hmm. And he says, and that's how we're going to get in. Which, like, friggin' tune. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's like, oh, yes, this not having any way in is his weakness. And I will exploit it. And I'm like, okay. And it's at this point that Farouk is like, oh, so we have this woman that you wanted here. And it's like, ew, gross, thanks. <laughs> and Sightail's like, all right, you know, let's see her. So it's this young woman. She's the daughter of another uh, member of the the sitch but she is uh addicted to samuda mm-hmm. and farouk says that you know his son gave him gave her the samuda in the hopes that you know he could just trick, trick her, her into marrying him because even though he was blind but it went too far and now she's addicted it's like great mm-hmm. thrilling <laughs> yeah love this she also uh, and it's so, oh my God, this is the part that's actually the grossest to me, which is that, you know, Saitel says, well, her father doesn't know that she's here. And he's like, she doesn't even know she's here. My son implants her with fake memories so that uh. she thinks that she's in love with him and that they're, you know, we always visit. And her family is mad because that she's in love with a blind man, but they're not going to interfere because that's just not our way. And it's like, ah. Yeah. Uh, so at this point, Saitel's just like, you know, all right, well, thanks for all this. Uh, great time. I'm going to kill you all. (laughs) Uh, he poisons the, both Farouk and the son with darts, and then he Mm -hmm. takes the woman with him. She, he transforms himself into Farouk so that the daughter will be, the, you know, quote unquote daughter-in-law will be confused. Right. And he just says, you know, I did it out of sympathy. And they knew that there was a chance I was going to kill them. So it's not really my fault. Right. <laughs> gotta go do some stuff right now. Like, gotta go get busy. And it's like, ugh. Ew. <laughs> yeah, good times. Good times with Sightail. I'm so sure he's... He's, gonna, he's gonna have lots of adventures for us in this book really like he's the only member of this conspiracy who's doing anything yeah and i know it's out of a a desire to be in charge of the whole thing but it's just Mm -hmm. very like well i guess i'll just go and do this then guys thanks yeah uh yeah but the next chapter is actually kind of important for the the conspiracy too and it is but also yeah (laughs) uh this is more paul being a jerk um I'm going to... Re- I'll read this, okay. this epigraph. Cause this is a- Sorry, I'm going to take the short one. <laughs> <laughs> on this. Uh, okay. Uh, here we go. Empires do not suffer emptiness of purpose at the time of their creation. It is when they have become established that aims are lost and replaced by vague ritual. Words of Muad'Dib by the Princess Urulan. I mean... 
obviously, Paul, like every, I mean, beginnings are yeah. always great because you got a lot of zhuzh, you're, you're mm-hmm. got a lot of ideas. And then once yeah. you start practicing anything, it's like, oh, that's why small <laughs> businesses fail. Yeah. <laughs> People run out of steam. Like, I, I love that the first deep, line Paul. of this chapter is, it was going to be a bad session, this meeting of the Imperial Council. <laughs> it was like, boy, howdy. You're not kidding. <laughs> This is uh, my dearest, dearest character, uh, the love of my life, Alia, mm-hmm. who, for being an old woman, is also 15, and so is like, oh, I don't want to be at this meeting. Yeah. Everyone's mad. Mm-hmm. Stilgar is shuffling papers. A ruin won't look at Chani. Paul is scowling at some dude named Korba who has just shown up, and I'm like, I don't care about you, Korba. Wasn't he one of the Fadaikin, or he was, no, he was he, one of the, uh, yeah, in the first book. I yeah, think he, he was. Is, I, yeah, that doesn't mean I like him. No, 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 I get it. Uh, so, like, she comes in, and she sits down so that she can look out the window. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's like, this is great, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's kind of, she it can't be interesting for her. She's also just losing it laughing because Corba's trying to make some, like, grand statement about how there aren't as many gods as once there were. And she's just like, what? (laughs) She's like, Corba, you're crazy. So we we hear that she looks a lot like Jessica. Mm -hmm. Uh, We will hear more of this chapter about how she suddenly got so grown up and pretty. And it's like, okay. Paul's like, she's coming into the bloom of womanhood. And I'm like, could you not? Could you just not? I... Look. I know that not... Like, not noticing that someone is growing up is not necessarily an indication that you feel an attraction to them. But never was I like, oh, my brothers are becoming young men. I don't Mm. know. It was just like... (laughs) Hey, look, they got taller. Yeah. (laughs) Their voices are deeper now. Like, interesting. I feel very old. (laughs) Like... No, thank you. I don't need the bloom of womanhood. Right. I mean, my brother just turned 40, but I'm not like, oh, he's finally, you know, in the bloom of manhood. Or Look at him. Yeah. That is how you should greet him next. The next time you see him in person, you should get to be like, look at you, a man. <laughs> He'll be like, uh. Yeah, he will very much be like, what? <laughs> like, I'm going to leave. <laughs> are you high? I mean, the chances are good, but yeah. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me, but I'm going to go. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Corba, we hear it looks like an angry gnome. Yeah. He wants to know if she knows what people are saying about her brother and she's like well i know what people are saying about you guys <laughs> yeah he's kind of what he's sort of like the head priest of yeah. of the muadib religion yeah the quizarite right and she's like well i know what people are saying about you you're not divine you're spies you're god's spies mm. and korba is just like we are sent by the writ of muadib and she's like yeah spies <laughs> And Paul's just like, Halia, why are you poking at Corba? And then he's just like, bloom of womanhood. Right. Although I think Corba gets on Paul's nerves just as much. He's just a a little bit nicer about it. There is a great moment later where Paul and Alia, I forget how they phrase it, but it's some, they call it like sibling awareness, where it is just Mm. that kind of like you're meeting eyes, like, "Mm." Mm mm-hmm. 
And I appreciated that because I was like, yeah, I think we've all been there. Everyone's had that moment where it's just you and your siblings being like, oh, boy, let's look at each other. Mm. (laughs) Oh, Mm. I mean, me and my brother in a room with our parents. Yes, we have that look. We share that look quite often. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I have two brothers. There's a lot of like this one and this one. We're going to look. Just looking. Okay. Oh, boy. (laughs) We've all looked. (laughs) We did the thing. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) <laughs> Ruland says, this is not the time or place for your sister's levity. Like, he, you've got four sisters. You should be used to this. Yeah. Take take it down a notch, Ruland. I mean, secretly, she's actually kind of freaking out a little bit because, yep. like, they had planned, you know, they have their contingencies for keeping Paul from seeing, you know, using his vision or whatever to mm-hmm. see... The conspiracy, but they didn't take Alia into account, which seems like a big oops to me. But... Yeah, well, even Paul later on is thinking, you know, we're the same bloodline. Like, the Bene yeah. Gesserit were breeding us to produce the Kwisatz Haderach. So, like, well, what did that bring out in Alia other than just, you know, her, you know, the, being exposed to the spice? Like, mm-hmm. what what else like what was she going to be regardless of that and it's like right. you guys have never stopped in 15 years to think about this <laughs> right you know he's just like huh uh so because she tells you know she said you know i became my mother and all the others mm-hmm. i became an old woman then and there Sad. and yeah and he says he's also thinking about corba he's like you know I don't blame her picking fun at him. He says, mm-hmm. what is more ridiculous than a death commando transformed into a priest? Well, I don't know, <laughs> Paul. Why did you transform your death commandos into priests? <laughs> uh, there's also a point we understand that, you know, there's uh, the square is full of pilgrims. He tells Corba to go lead the prayers. Corba says, mm-hmm. well, they expect you to do it. And he says, put on your turban. They'll never be able to tell. So it's like, they, geez, they won't know the difference. <laughs> yeah. He takes it real seriously, you can tell. Like, Wadib looks really white. (laughs) What's going on up there? Yeah. So, Stilgar just is like, we get down to this business, please. Yeah, he's just there, just doing his, just doing his thing. He's what, like the, in charge of the armies or whatever? Yeah, he's kind of, yeah, like... The military commander. Mm-hmm. But also has a lot of the business and the taxes, and he's talking yeah. about the the guild wants to sign a treaty, mm-hmm. uh, and they want a Ruland's just like, well, what this... have you done to pressure them? She's goading. Uh, she is goading. She also refers to Paul as my lord and husband, specifically to piss off Chani. Mm-hmm. Um he does have a moment where he Paul is like she's pawn too, like she's a Betty mm-hmm. Jesuit pawn the way that everyone else has been. But he's like, yeah, all right, well, yeah. anyway. Uh, so she she goes in out a little bit about his vision too. Tupel is a sanctuary, like a planet that great houses that have been defeated go for in sanctuary. And he's like, look, we have to stay on their good side, and we need to keep it around because they mm-hmm. need to know there's a place that they can go. Yeah. Um, and Stilgar's kind of like, well, well, who knows what they could be doing there? And Alia's just like, 
well, you can't back them into a corner and expect people to remain peaceful. And then she's like, oh, why did I talk? <laughs> now I'm in this meeting. Yeah. Man, I never learn. Uh, so she, Ollie is just like, there's too much. At this point, we've decided that there's too much butchery going on under mm-hmm. our name. Like, ooh. And Paul's just kind of like, that's cool, Alia, that you also feel that. It's like, you guys did this. Yeah. <laughs> this is strange. What a sense of compelling responsibility they both felt for that brawling, idolatrous universe with, with its ecstasies of tranquility and wild motion. You did this. Yeah, you guys set this in motion. You set this in motion. Strange that you feel responsibility. You're responsible. Ah. <laughs> uh. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, so Chani's just like, denying them spice doesn't do, oh my god. Could she be like, oh, my fucking kids. Oh my god, I need to get back to Kaladin ASAP. She's like, there's a reason I left you two behind. (laughs) I kind of get it, you know? Like, poor Alia, but at the same time, like, yeah. Like, I gotta go. I have (laughs) been through a lot. (laughs) Uh, so Paul's just like, fine, whatever. We'll sign the treaty. Uh, mm-hmm. Stilgar's just like, something else. Could you maybe use your magic powers to see the future and tell us if anyone's plotting something on right. Tuvel? And Paul's just like, Ugh. Well, I think first, like, Alia kind of looks at Arulin, like, looks at him and looks at Arulin, like, uh, careful. Yeah. Because she, because they both know anything that gets said in the meeting is going to get back to the Bene Gesserit through Irulan. So he basically kind of tempers it down to, he says a lot to basically say, I can't see things like that. Yeah. That's not how it works. And Irulan's like, it's just chaos. It has no consistency. And he's like, well, I said it didn't obey natural law. (laughs) And Alia's just like, consistency isn't a necessary aspect of the universe. Right. <laughs> and he goes, how can my brother give you explicit information about the limits of something which has no limits? Right. The boundaries <laughs> escape the intellect. Paul's just like, oh, stop pissing off a ruling. Like, can everyone calm down? He takes a minute to like... Meanwhile, to Corba's f- just like, how am I going to use this? Yeah. He takes a minute to like, feel sorry for Rulin, but then he's like, eh. Like, why do She you still suck? sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, there's still, so yeah, they want a constitution. Mm-hmm. It's the Ixian Confederacy. Uh, he's, Paul's just like, well, they want legal limits on my will. And, mm-hmm. you know, does the Landsrad want to be in charge of me, or just Chome? And they're like, it's Chome. Uh, <laughs> as always. Yeah. It's always Chome. Yeah. Uh, the, they says the throne must be stopped in its attempt at a power monopoly, but mm-hmm. okay, it's an imperial throne, so that's yeah. sort of what they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they mean a spice monopoly. And Ch- Chani's just like, oh, a constitution, and he goes, you know, the jihad will falter, but not soon enough to save me. Mm-hmm. And Chani's just like, well. Maybe we could just pretend, like, give them a form of a constitution, but not a real one. And a real one's like, ooh, that might be good. And then it's just like, 
you, you could picture them like agreeing and then realizing they're agreeing and being like oh. with each other and being like oh never mind yeah <laughs> i take back everything i said uh oh ruin's also keeping the minutes because at one point he's like are you writing this down and she's just like, <laughs> <Yes>. yeah. <laughs> it is uh, it does sound pretty humiliating then he says Constitutions become the ultimate tyranny, which I guarantee you has been on somebody's racist uncle's oh, uh, Twitter sure. bio. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know it. Some. Uh, I almost hesitate to like call attention to it because I don't want to give it any steam. I. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Some anyone who's ever said <laughs> I am. Am I being detained has also. Oh, yeah. Has a T-shirt that says that. So they t- it's more about taxes. Stilgar is basically like, I hate this. And mm-hmm. uh, I hate this meeting. I hate yeah. everyone here. Even you, Chani. <laughs> Sorry, babe. Like, you're my niece, but I hate you. Um, yeah. Can we get this over with? Also, they are like, uh, meanwhile, in Seleucus Secundus, uh, yeah, could you tell your dad, dad is just like training his legions. And Paul's like, could you just tell your dad to not do that? Like, next time you write to your dad and tell him everything that's going on, because I know you are, throw in a little note that says, please stop training your Sardaukar again. (laughs) Okay. Because otherwise, it's not going to be pretty. She also does a little, like, well, you know, we have to be careful. My dad would make a really good martyr. He's just like, like, "Mm." he's, you know, he's, uh, people are looking back on his time with a certain nostalgia now. And Shadi says, you'll go too far one day. And Paul's like, all right, everyone knock it off. Yeah. I, uh, I kind of like Chani, though, like, jump into Paul's defense. Somebody needs to, I guess. True. But I also like that Paul kind of thinks about that. And he's like, all right, no, that's actually a good point. If people are starting to look back on mm-hmm. her father and be like, oh, he was a pretty good emperor that I got. I have to pay attention to that. Like, I have to yeah. look at that. I have to know that that's what's going on. And then there's another folder. <laughs> And Stilgar's just like, oh, this is the worst. Um, <laughs> so the Benny Gesserit send a formal supplication, and they want to know when you're going to have kids. Yeah. Ooh, Chani's just like, <laughs> Paul says, send the sisterhood the usual excuses, which I want to know what those are. Like, oh, yeah. Like, what does I had say? a headache. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened. I was on my period. I was taking cold medicine. Yeah. Too much spice whiskey. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, so spice dick. You <laughs> had spice dick for <laughs> 12 years. <laughs> um, maybe it's, you know, it's like Marie Antoinette. They just, like, didn't know what they were doing. Right, right. Uh, so Arulan's basically like, well, do we have to make excuses? And Chani's like, you know, since we're all here here mm-hmm. i guess we could talk about this poor alia has to be like mur, mur, mur. <laughs> like ew <laughs> yeah uh paul doesn't want to discuss it because so he knows that when he and chani have a child she will die yeah that chani will die and that he doesn't he doesn't want to deal with that so in a way he's like kind of grateful for this whole situation yeah. Uh, but Chani is like, look, you know, I've gotten prayed. I've gone to doctors. I've, you know, done everything I've... that I know and nothing helps. Yeah. And... Done my prana bindu, kegels, 
all that stuff. And to be fair, Paul is just like, should I tell her that she'll die if she's a baby? Because I you think know that's she really wouldn't driving care. her nuts. Yeah, she wouldn't. She, she would just, she would do it anyway. Yeah. Uh, he looks up at Alia's kind of giving him like sad eyes. And he's just like, oh, God. <laughs> like, just do I have to have this little psychic sister who's also like, hi, I know what you're thinking. And then Erulin was like, Erulin's like, need I remind you? And starts listing off all the ways, like, he's vulnerable without an heir and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, I know you want to be, you want to be the royal mommy. Uh, who doesn't? I want to be the royal mommy. <laughs> um, and Megan, just, you are the royal mommy. Yay! <laughs> uh, he's just like, what? If I just took Chani and we ran away, wouldn't that be nice? Would that be fine? Like, yeah. we could do that. No, we can't do that. I uh, like that he's kind of mirroring mirroring his father there. Yeah. So we come to a point here where I am kind of like, mm. mm-hmm. so he's talking about now people make a pilgrimage to Arrakis. Mm-hmm. Uh they come and they end at Arrakis. They call it the place of rebirth, a place to die. Uh, apparently, some Fremen like to imply that Paul just wants them to come here for their water because many people die uh, on this mm-hmm. pilgrimage. And I know that it's just the word for pilgrimage, but the fact that he keeps talking about like, oh, this ridiculous Hajj, and mm-hmm. they come on this Hajj and they die. It's like, Frank. <laughs> Frank yeah. again. Um, actual things mean actual things. And yeah. Dude. Maybe think about that. Like, maybe not talk about, like, he calls it their exercise in homelessness. Like, ew, oh. it's a pilgrimage, my friend. <laughs> um, ew. I, I really um, wish I could go back in time sometimes and just kind of knock him on the head. Hello, no, is anything in there? Like, inappropriate. Yeah. Uh, Chadi's just like, all right, can you chill? Mm-hmm. You come back, and she's like, "We got to go to the desert and just chill out." Meanwhile, Ruland's just like, "Yeah, fine, just make dates, just hold <laughs> hands and make dates and like talk in special secret voices while I'm sitting right here." Yeah, no problem. Uh, this is also when we first start to get the first little inklings that Ruland actually does care about Paul because Paul basically is like, you know. Ruland wants to be the mother of the Imperial heir, but we all know that she has no love for me, and she's kind of like. Whoop. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. Never have I loved you. Ew. Gross. Love. <laughs> ah! uh, and he's just like, look, I get it. I get why I need to have a baby, but... And this is the other part here is because he says, look, if sh- if Arulin wasn't doing this just because of the Betty Gesserit and it wasn't just for her own personal power, maybe I'd think about it. And yeah. she kind of has this moment where she's like, because... Uh, you know, she does care about him. And part of it is that she mm-hmm. wants to have a baby because she wants to have his baby. Yeah. And, but he doesn't know that. So he's just kind of doing like, well, you just want to be the royal mommy and have that power. So no, I'm not giving in to that. I'm not doing that. We can't call it anything else now. It has to be the royal mommy from now on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and he does say like, look, I'm really sorry. <laughs> Sorry, and she's just like, "Fuck you." Yeah. Uh, fuck this meeting, Stilgar. Is there anything else we have to talk about before I just say "fuck you" to everyone in this room? Yeah. 
and he's just like, oh, uh, the guild wants to have an embassy. And everyone's just like, ew, boo. Yeah, the Cheney's like, no fucking way. <laughs> Corba's like, the Council of Knaves would not like it. An actual guildsman here in Arrakis. They contaminate the very ground they touch. And Paul goes, they live in tanks. They don't touch the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so Arulan says something about it. And he's like, oh, you could see if there's going to be trouble. And he's like, no, I can't see if there's going to be trouble. He like <laughs> makes fun of her. He's like really cruel about it. But then and she's like, have you, you seen a steersman coming here? He's like, no, I haven't seen a steersman coming. Right. Here. Is it me, Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> Is it me, Arulan? He's just like. You know what? He goes, I can see where one's been and where one's going. So he can kind of yeah. see, like, as one's leaving. He'll be like, hey, wait a minute. But he can't um, see where they are. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so she's says, kind you know, of like, mm-hmm. hey. Yeah. So they're mutually blind, so our conspiracy is hidden. Yeah. Although she doesn't get confirmation if that's the case for Alia. No. Because I know Chris- that... All is going to be busy because the next chapter opens with the Gola showing up and her being like, yeah. hey. Right. I think that was part of the reason they wanted to keep her distracted. Mm-hmm. So they brought him in. And also, like. <laughs> they just brought a boy. They're like, I don't know what yeah. you girls like. Just wave this under her nose and <laughs> see if it <laughs> catches her attention. What but, do 15 year old um, girls like? I don't know, boys? <laughs> um. But also, like, Alia can do stuff that Paul can't do, which I've always found Mm -hmm. fascinating. So it's like, I want to know more about that. Like, I want to know, can she see things that Paul can't see? I know that she can, like, go forward in time and leave, like, messages for him. Mm -hmm. Those are always the best. I know. That's my favorite thing. That's "That's not what's happening. Her being like, "Um, even you can't do this. Ain't I great? Hey! <laughs> I'm only three and I'm better than you. Oh, that's my whole life. I know. <laughs> that is your whole life. That's all I hear every day. Like, Aww. <laughs> oh, to uh, be three again. <laughs> yeah, really. No, thank you. You can keep it. <laughs> Actually, I mean, I'm sure it was a pretty chill time, but I'm still cool. Uh, yeah, but then I just don't want to deal with going through childhood and puberty again. No, thank oh, you. No, you couldn't. Okay. Let me just say that there is no amount of anything that could induce me to go through puberty again. I mean, poor Alia, because she's been through now like a million puberties. Yeah. And yeah, she has to live through another one. <laughs> yeah. And because this is something that comes up a lot in like jokes and like the meme groups right and whatnot. But it's mm-hmm. super awkward that you also remember everyone's sexual experiences. Yes. Even your mom and your. Yeah. Your mom and your dad. This is going to mm-hmm. come into play a lot more in Children of Dune. Like yep. everything. Like, oh, no, thank you. And keep in mind, who was her grandfather? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You really want that rolling around in your head. (laughs) Oh, the worst. Because, like, it could, yeah, it couldn't just be. It's not just the knowledge that it happens. Because, you know, I think everyone at a certain point knows that they're, that some, at some point people had sex and that made them in some capacity. Mm -hmm. But to actually, like, experience it is the part Mm -hmm. where we're all just like, nope, walls down. Absolutely (laughs) under no circumstances. This is something that will ever be okay no 
<sighs> no, <laughs> I'm telling you, no, I'm not getting into it. <laughs> I'll just say we had thin walls in my house when I was growing up. <laughs> so oh, I have no. a lot of sympathy for Alia. A lot. <laughs> Well, she has to go to all these meetings where her, her sister-in-law is basically like, why won't you have sex with me? Meanwhile, yeah. I feel like Paul and, and Tanya are just like, oh, we're just making out in a corner. Yeah. Ignore us just for like They're five still minutes. very much in love. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. I feel there's like a small pony running around in my hallway outside. That's great. <laughs> I hope it gets picked up on the... <laughs> I can hear her <laughs> giggling. It's cute. Oh. Your own little Alia. <laughs> yeah, anyone who saw the text exchange that Bo posted on our Twitter of the sock monkey in the jar, that was my daughter. That's her. <laughs> she says it's to keep him safe. I don't I know mean, from what. I don't know if it's to keep us safe from him. I don't from, know. From oxygen, apparently. <laughs> At some point, she did reference that he might be going under the ocean, and I guess he's an old-timey sea diver, but now it's just, oh, "Oh, I'm keeping him safe, so, okay. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Annabelle. (laughs) Very cute. (laughs) It is, but also... Not weird at all. (laughs) So That's why I want there to be more stuff about, was Alia also just, like, a weird little kid? Yeah. And not just because of all of her, you know, extras, but just in general. Because little mm-hmm. kids are weird. They're weird and they're gross and they, they're very yeah. sweet. And I used to be a little kid and I know I was weird and gross. Yeah. So I just, I want to imagine there was some point where everyone was just like, oh, this deep and important philosophical thing is happening. And then Alia was just like, you know, it's funny, butts. Um, hey. Okay. I want to point this out just because I kind of flipped forward to the next chapter. Okay. And saw what the quote is for the next chapter, and I remember it coming up in the audiobook. And I remember laughing at the time, but it's it's so funny that the quote for the next <laughs> chapter. Okay. It sounds like a tagline for like ABC Freeform. Once more, the drama begins. The Emperor Paul Mwadib. <laughs> oh, Paul, you are so extra. Oh my god. I just want that. I'm making that like we're gonna Twitter gonna bio. Sam- make a sampler of it. <laughs> oh I wish. Yeah, that's what I should do. Yep, so that's board meetings of Dune. Yeah. Um board meetings and just druggy parties of Dune. Yeah. I mean some Samuda would have really capped this chapter off nicely. It's just the part where they're like, yeah, we keep this chick drugged here. It's fine. It's, it's fi- fine. It's fine. Like, I no, mean, no. I'm not sorry that Skytail killed, Skytail killed you. No, not at all. Yeah. Like, I apologize for all the things that have happened to you. I understand a lot of your problems with Paul. However, mm-hmm. no, then ever. there's the part where you have a trafficked woman in your house. So yeah. we're going to That you're keeping drugged. And filling with false memories. Ugh. I don't like it. Do not I don't like, like it, it either. Yeah, absolutely, I do not. So it'll be interesting to see. I I know that stuff does happen in this book, and I think the next chapter is going to be a lot more fun than Get this one was. Ready for golas? Golas, <laughs> yes. Our old catchphrase. Here they come. Well, here comes one. <laughs> he is here to loom around and be like, "Hello, everyone." 
Hi. <laughs> name's Hate. How, How you doing? My name's Hate. Uh, <laughs> it's not Duncan Idaho. I promise. It's Hate. I'm someone else. Yeah. This is better than later iterations who are just kind of like, well, I don't know who I am. Oh, yeah. Wine. When it's just yeah. your first time around, I think you feel a little better about it. Right. I mean, I think after like hundreds of iterations, Duncan's oh just God. kind of like, why do you keep doing this? Leave. I let mean, me let me be dead in peace. Please stop making me have sex with people that are in your family. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's yet to come. That's thousands and thousands of years in the future. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, not not yet. Right now, he's just going to hang around and flirt with the teenager like totally normal thing yeah fine. For, an ad- Great. for an ad for an adult not man artificial man to do you know he's totally like well technically i'm like six months old <laughs> yeah uh ew <laughs> it's you know and i i support fictional artificial men and their love interests huge mm. scarlet witch vision shipper over here mm-hmm. but she was an adult person so. yeah yeah she was a lady an adult lady yeah so that's that that's uh that. we don't have any we don't have any emails and what emails we do get we may save our Q and A's. So if you would like to ask us a question and have it answered on our monthly Q and A. Uh, we had a lot of fun with the last one, so please send us your questions uh, at WeirdingPod on Twitter, or you can email us, WeirdingPodcast at gmail.com. You get to see our faces. Yeah. <laughs> you get to see me completely forget that I'm sitting in front of a camera. Um, <laughs> there is that. And we have our Patreon, where we are talking about Lost. You can also get early release episodes of this show there that is patreon.com slash weirding podcast we're gonna have a newsletter i'm I'm working on it yeah megan's gonna be doing a a newsletter i'm so so excited um always of course happy to read anything that you write megan oh thank you (laughs) uh yeah so that's where we're at right now and we just want to thank everyone that's contributed to our patreon so far thank you so much Also, if you oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I just want to say that if the trailer does drop in six Mm -hmm. days, as it has been rumored to do, Mm -hmm. uh, I assume we may have to have an emergency, an emergency meeting. Yeah, Uh, we'll definitely have to have a special episode for that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) How many times do you think you're going to watch it? Because I know when a movie that I really am excited about comes out, I will watch the trailer to death. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I love trailers. Uh, yeah, I'm a big fan. Big fan of trailers. Really want this student trailer. I know. And it's just going to be a teaser, which is the worst part. Everyone's just like, oh, the first student trailer. I'm like, yeah, it's going to be 20 seconds but like Timothy Chalamet's hair. When The Force Awakens was coming out and like they huh. were like, there's going to be a teaser. And there was like a pre-teaser teaser, like just little flashes. And then mm-hmm. you got the teaser, and then you got the trailer. It's like the opening of an episode of Battlestar Galactica. Yes. Uh, so I was, like, you know, all over that at the time because, you know, I was excited. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. they've since killed my, any <laughs> affection I had for that series, but yeah. 
Yeah, I love a good teaser, and I think that some trailers, even if you know how things work out, are still... I mean, the Watchmen trailer is still so Mm -hmm. good for the movie. It really is a really good trailer, and it's too bad that the movie just does not live up to the trailer. It's true. Yeah. I was trying to think of another one. Like, the Midsummer trailer is so good. Oh, that was so good. Yeah. The Witch trailer holds a special place in my heart. One, because it was very good, and two, because I convinced my husband to go see it. He does not like horror movies, but (laughs) I said, look, I really want to see this movie. And he said, well, okay, I don't know anything about it. And he went in the other room to watch the trailer, and I just heard, Megan. (laughs) (laughs) And he went with you? He went, yeah. We went and saw it. Wow. Yeah, I, I... Could not get my husband to sit through the witch with me. Um, he would come. He would like come and go into the room and, and, we saw and leave. It, uh, at an Alamo Draft House, even so, it had like a little pre-show about witches and Ooh. all that good stuff. Very cool. No, I I didn't see it till it came out on VOD. But uh, good movie, good trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A good time. A good time. The witch. I don't witch. know that I would call it a good time, but you know, my it's, brother just say... recently watched it. He he had never seen it before. He's getting into like new, some of the newer horror, and was like, "Hey man, that witch movie that was pretty tight." And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, man." Woo. <laughs> this is a 40-year-old person. <laughs> yeah, the one downside I will say to seeing it was that I was about 10 weeks pregnant. Oh, Megan. So <laughs> there were definitely parts where I was just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> that is one movie I would not want to see pregnant. Well, we made the plans. Bef- we bought tickets before we found out. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like a TV where you just faint and then you're like, oh, my God. I must be pregnant. I'm pregnant. What? Yeah. <laughs> uh, or like Jessica in the miniseries where she's like, God, I'm so pregnant. And everyone's like, you're looking a little round. Yeah. Too many spice cookies. <laughs> right. She's like, oh, I'm definitely not pregnant. Oh, my God. I don't need to slowly lower myself oh my into God. a cushion. It was the lowering. The lowering, clutching <laughs> the, the lowering. belly. Like, you are a pregnant woman. Hello, pregnant. Yeah. And you know you don't want to say that. Like, everyone, there's always a th- you don't want to see someone and be like, oh, are you pregnant? Because, no, sometimes you just have a belly. I know I still do. I no longer am pregnant. Yeah. But there's, I don't clutch my stomach when I lower myself to things. <laughs> like, it's a yeah. little different balance-wise. And Jessica, that miniseries, so pregnant. So pregnant. So I'm assuming in this one, I'm assuming in the movie there will be a better just... Yeah, the the props and, uh, you know, the pregnancy props will be a little more believable. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you don't go from being just, like, not visibly pregnant to, like, eight months pregnant like that. And without anyone guessing that that's what's happening. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I I can't believe we're still talking about this. It, like, it appalled me. Yeah, I just hope that there's another like the you know eighty four Dune has completely necessary scenes of Jessica and Lido in bed, and they'll be even mm-hmm. more necessary now. Uh, yeah. Um, Oscar, yeah. if you're out there, maybe you could throw in another few. Just film some shirtless scenes at home. Get your wife to mm-hmm. do it, yeah. and send them off, and have them just <laughs> splice them in. Well, I'm really looking forward to all the new memes that we'll be able to make with all the new images and, and, you know, gifts and all that stuff. Like, 
yes, mm-hmm. it's time. <laughs> I have been using these old, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, the si- the miniseries and the 84 movie. Like, I've been using all of these stills and gifts from these things. And I'm like, okay, Sting, <laughs> I need to not see you anymore. <laughs> or those same, like, five promo pictures from the new one that I used in my TikTok. Where it's like, yeah, yep, we could get some more now, please. Yeah, please. So exciting. Exciting. Well, that is going to do it for us this week. Mm-hmm. And uh, as always, you can catch us at our writing over at thespool.net where we review film and television. It's a lot of fun. Check us out there. Uh, hey, if you're enjoying this show, how about rate and review us on iTunes? That would be yes. awesome. It really helps us out. Makes the show more visible. We'll have more listeners. And, uh, yeah. It's just good all around. Please, please do. And, (laughs) yeah. Well, I'd say tighten your nose filters and empty your thigh pads, but... (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.